the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. And I'm so glad to be with you on this Monday edition of Lifeline. What might I say about today? Well, on the one hand, we celebrate, do we not, the brave men and women of valor who have uh, stepped into harm's way throughout all of human history, if you will, but certainly American history. We celebrate Veterans Day and we give honor to all those who, um, who, who, who thought it was their call and duty to serve our country. And we are uh, we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge them. We thank every veteran alive and those, yes, and those that have passed away among our families and our friends and loved ones. And we just want to say um, we owe you a debt of gratitude and thanksgiving and honor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, especially when we think about how difficult it is for a vet post-war. So count your blessings because they represent the angels of heaven with regards to the peace and tranquility and the keeping, preserving mercies of a God who has been good to us. Way beyond what you and I deserve, God has been good to us. I hope you're doing all right on this Monday edition of Lifeline, November 12th. Um, never will forget it. Number of people throughout my a uh, short excursion on this uh, planet, uh, having birthdays um, that uh, were one day after mine. And uh, so I always think about Doug and I also think about a sister of mine named Evelyn. Don't know where they are on the planet, but I hope and I trust that they are well as well. So um, we're thankful for that. The other thing we want to definitely give our attention to as we prepare to open the phone lines for Whatever you want to talk about today, to be honest with you, we can just kind of uh, chop it up on any level that you think is worthy of discussion. As you know, we try to just keep keep far away from vanity and folly that won't really edify. God told us not to do that. So I will take your topics on spiritual things, practical things, and church issues, family issues, personal issues. That's what we do here um, as you have in office on the mic um, for an hour and about 50 minutes, hence uh, pastor, counselor, teacher, friend, um, whoever you want to uh, call me to be right now, be glad to hear from you. Number one, triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine, one, triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine. We could not overlook what really is going on uniquely here in the Bay Area um, as a consequence of uh, things happening uh, far east of us in uh, a place called Paradise, as you guys are knowing about it, aware of it, and even impacted by it to some degree over the last three or four days uh, now with the smoke permeating everything in the Bay Area here and settling down on some of us, even to the degree of people being somewhat ill because of the impact of the poor climate that we are um, having to face with regards to the fire in paradise. Uh, after just kind of being alarmed by it on Thursday night and then very much aware of it significantly on Friday, um, it was very difficult to pass up on considering the symbolic nature of it on Sunday. It was a part of my uh, proclamation as I'm dealing with the book of Genesis chapter three, the particular fall of Adam and Eve and how important it is for us to have a theological background to actually get that language right from Genesis three verses one through, well, let's say 12 
we don't get it right, we simply uh, engage in mythical ideas that really have nothing to do with God's redemptive glory in Christ. But it's true. A fire was started in paradise way, 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 way long ago when our first parents entertained a conversation with a snake and uh, his fiery tongue set on course the fire of hell in the hearts of our first parents and the children subsequent to it. And uh, one of the things we have to learn from what's going on here after we have yielded up our prayers, after we have yielded up our support, after we have um, yielded up our sympathy with regards to all tragedies that take place on the planet, God does not mean for us to turn a blind eye and not learn from it. He definitely wants you and I to go, okay, so now, Lord, what is the lesson we might derive from this particular event? And so um, in monologuing with you for the next few minutes, I thought about it. Having personally heard from people who live there, our hearts go out to those who died and those people who are still up there for some reason and for those people who lost so so much. Uh, from what I'm understanding, this is the biggest fire and catastrophic fire that California's history has ever had. Uh, and we're not done yet, so we have to wait and see what will occur um, subsequent to today and, uh, and, and be ready then to take on the reality of what I'm about to talk to you about in terms of the lesson. The first lesson that I want to put forth to you with regards to paradise is that uh, paradise is not found on this side of eternity. Uh, We can try to make one, uh, but all human man-made paradises will require, at some point, fire insurance. Why? Because the fires all started in the beginning when we fail as mankind. The fire's in our heart. We're fallen creatures. We are prone to wander. We are given to fits of selfishness and accidental practices that are just really at the core of our being. I mean, accidental things that can create massive calamity, not just uh, natural uh, catastrophic events. No one is stating that this was purely an act of nature or an act of God, if you will, as the insurance companies put it. But rather, there have been those who have surmised that it was the consequence of a lot of uh, drinking and um, and, and bottles being smashed in one area so that uh, you had a glass fire. And this came from one of the professionals up in that area that did were doing the rescue activities, as I heard earlier today, that there's a significant possibility that a bunch of glass was smashed together after drinking bottles of beer and uh, bottles of uh, beverages of all kinds. And once the sun hits all of that glass, you know how it goes in science class with a magnifying glass, your heat is increased and boom, combustion occurs. And where combustion occurs, fire will quickly Uh, take off so that it didn't necessarily have to be natural. But wherever mankind is, there will be fires for sure. Um, The other thing is, if you follow the trajectory of biblical truth, scripture, frequently you find people having to move out of their homes, move out of their environments, move out of their neighborhoods. Um, Again, having lived almost 60 years, 58 years on yesterday, I I realized that we're going to be moving. Uh, All of us are moving. Uh, I I met one couple recently uh, that uh, were born in their home, grew up in their home, and presently live in the home that they were born in. That is an anomaly. Most people find themselves having to move out of... uh, uh, unusual circumstances, uh, anomalies of a, a, a precarious uh, nature by which either economically or domestically or by virtue of sickness uh, couldn't retain the home, couldn't keep the home, et cetera, et cetera, and, and they are on their journey. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is really the way of life since the days of Adam and Eve. Remember, our father put them out of paradise the term you want to use for the Genesis Garden narrative. 
and he set them on their journey. They're moving up and down uh, the uh, the highways of uh, of the world. Uh, probably started somewhere in the Iraq, uh, Nineveh, um, borderline Mesopotamia area, Africa. Um, some would surmise that it was uh, in the regions of Palestine that it started, and they, then they moved on down to Babylon, where God picked up Abraham and started them on their way back to paradise. That ultimately was removed from this earth and placed in glory as you find it in Revelation chapter 22. I kind of agree with that. You and I will never on this earth find a paradisial context wherein we believe that we can settle down and enjoy life and never ever at any point be accosted by evil. That will only be the reality when Christ returns to rule this universe after having destroyed all his foes and and totally subjugated all manner of evil and the greatest evil that he will subdue when he comes again is death, death, of which the death toll for this particular conflagration is, is, is fairly serious. They don't even really know the full count and won't know it until after the fire has subsided and they have not. I don't think they've even gotten it to 50% um, contained yet. So uh, we really do have to think about, and ladies and gentlemen, quite frankly, if you are honest as I am, um, California has been confronted with fires now for a number of years, almost a decade now of incrementally, gradually increasing fires that have become much more alarming and problematic to you and to me. Would you not agree? Uh, fires that we used to hear about uh, in, in SoCal, South, Southern California, uh, a decade ago. Uh, now we're hearing about them only some uh, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 miles away. Fires we used to only watch years ago now are traveling by way of air to our region with ashes and and smoke. And you notice we have not seen the sun in quite a few days, not in an open, uh, pristine fashion in which uh, the sun has uh, afforded us as Californians. And, and that that does speak to where we are. And it does speak to how we must think through, how we must think through what happens when evil really comes knocking on the door. Uh, I may be listening to an audience of uh, lots of people who um, no doubt have never, ever had to experience the heat of a fire erupting all around them, endangering their own life and their homes. And maybe they have gotten out by the skin of their teeth. If you have been in that kind of condition, I'd love to hear from you really I'd love for us to actually get the lesson firsthand from those of you who have experienced fires that have uh, threatened your life uh, at, at, at length. I'd love to hear from you. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. And here's the reason why it's not morbid. It really is all about uh, being much more sympathetic than I could be if I if I only had a deeper, more personal and more profoundly impactful uh, knowledge base, if not experience of what uh, our loved ones are, are dealing with up in paradise at present, as was the case with many fires in, in years past recently and abroad where we have uh, had loved ones that have lost everything, had to move, had to transmigrate, had to travel, had to become Hebrews. Uh, as again, I stated, maybe all of us will from time to time because we're not in our long home yet. But yeah, if you have had experience with being in an area where your neighborhood caught on fire and the heat was significant and breathing was virtually impossible, I'd love to hear your experience. I'd love to be taught by your experience what it means for us to honor and respect fire and honor and respect, if you will, clean air. Uh, and honor and respect the power that comes from both of them. One purity, one uh, passionate. I love to hear. The number is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Again, the lessons that I am deriving uh, from this is that we are to um, not only recognize that paradise is not to be found on this side of eternity because we are in a liability since the fall. That is represented by all the fault lines running through this beautiful state called California. 
where, in fact, at any time we can have a cataclysmic earthquake that would remind us once again that this world is not our home and that the very homes we live in with all of the security and comfort uh, that we presently have can be taken away in a second. Would you not agree? And therefore, it would behoove us all to give God glory and truly honor him for all that we have, one. Uh, and then as Paul puts it in First Timothy 6, he says, We come into this world with nothing, and it is certain that we will take nothing out of this world. So as our Lord put it, man's life does not consist in the things which he possesses, the abundance thereof, but rather in the fact that God created you and I in his image. Breathe into our nostrils the breath of life, and we become living souls. We are eternal spirits. We are eternal beings, and we have an eternal destiny one way or the other. And uh, and if you know the Lord, if you know God in the person of his son Jesus, and you've been uh, informed by the word of God and uh, taught effectually by the spirit of God, here's what you know. You know that not one day is given to us. Every day that we have is only promised by the predetermined counsel and foreknowledge of God. And today we can be here. Tomorrow we can be gone. So this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We will count our blessings for what we have. And we will mourn with those that mourn. Weep with those that weep. Cry with those that cry. And pursue as much as we can within all of the powers that we may have to assuage all pain, all sorrow, all suffering in any way we can, putting our feet into our brother's shoes as God would have us to do. So I'm going to give you the number. We're going to go to a break here for a moment and then we'll come back. The number is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight. Three six seven five three two nine. I'd love to know if you know anything firsthand or even secondhand about the dynamics, the power, the impact, the confusion, the um, alarming nature of waking up to a fire, of being in danger of it, and it having the impact uh, on your life as those that have uh, recently over the past couple of years in California have gone through. Love to hear from you. I'm sure we have some of those wise, experienced people in our audience. one 367 one I'm going to take a break. You're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline with your host, Jesse Gistan. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back to time 524 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. The number to reach me, if you want to talk about our present topic or you want to bring something up that might be uh, worth changing channels, although we're not going to totally change channels until the fire is uh, settled and um, we have a sense of what's uh, what's going to take place in terms of a recovery for paradise or um, a complete shutdown of the uh, of the whole environment uh, up there in that area. As I uh, as I was stating earlier, I I talked recently with people who who lived there and they were shocked to uh, to hear about what's going on up in that area. And I thought, let me see if we have anyone in the audience who may have gone through the same things in a fire uh, and it became very dangerous uh, for your life that you might want to share with us uh, the importance of being prepared, the importance of making sure your home is uh, uh, safe enough and uh, and ready for um, what we often hope will never, ever occur, and that is having to maybe leave our homes uh, in a hot moment simply because of, uh, of, of fires that can occur. I know that I was uh, just this summer with my wife and I, we cleared out so much brush in our backyard. I mean, really, uh, we, I told you before, we have some 10, uh, 10, 10 redwood trees and several other fruit trees in a fairly but not overly large backyard. Um, when you look at my backyard, it looks like the woods. Uh, and we had so much uh, debris on the ground of dead leaves because you know what those redwood trees the dead the the leaves fall all the time uh they're great for fire during the winter so i keep some but i was utterly surprised at how long it took 
fact of the matter is I hadn't cleaned them up in a long time. But my neighbor reminded me of a fire that we had recently had over the last 10 years in, in the Castro Valley area where part of the fire coming from a neighborhood down the street made its way up our fire alley. We have a fire alley right behind our house because the fire had made its way up to her house. She's my next door neighbor so quickly that she thought she was going to lose her home and the firemen were able to save her home. But a number of the houses around us were definitely lit up on fire. And then, you know, looking at my house and looking at all the trees that are there, it was be, it was absolutely necessary for me to have guys come in and you know, it took three days to clear out all of the debris on the ground, all of the uh, old grass, old leaves, uh, old brush and old branches, because those trees are tall, uh, 50, 60, 70 feet high, um, maybe higher and uh, dropping all the time. And, uh, you know, you just anything could be tossed back there and, and, and off it goes. And so we, we really thought through, you know, we need to be careful. We really just need to be careful. We're in a cul-de-sac, too. So uh, getting out could be a problem if we are not careful uh, in that area of Castro Valley. And I thought about it. I said, yeah, we, we need to make sure. So, yeah, if, there, if anyone out there has had that experience where, um, you know, you lived in a community like uh, like 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 Saratoga and up in the Napa Valley and uh, out in that area where they had the fires last year. Um, we'd love to hear from you. I'd love, love to hear from you about your experience with that one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Before I go to a break, I'm going to just read through some of the data here just to uh, to let you know what happened. I mean, I, until I read it again, um, I looked at the news a bit, but I didn't really uh, ascertain the uh, specifics about it. But here goes. Here's an updated uh, news um, uh, statement about it. Uh, after a night of chaos and fear, the fast-moving campfire in Booty County settled down Friday as winds calmed. But the next day brought gruesome discoveries and a grim new record. As of late Friday, officials said nine people had been killed and more than 6,700 buildings the vast majority of them homes had been destroyed in uh, the Booty County, making the campfire the most destructive blaze in the state's history. By Sunday, the tally of dead had risen to 29, with the expectation more of more victims would be found, leaving it tied with the 1933 Griffith Fire as the state's most deadly wildfire. In five days, the fire had reached 111,000 acres. Fire containment is at 25%. Four as yet unidentified fire victims were found burned in the husks of their car near Edgewood Lane, a narrow dead-end street in Paradise, and a fifth body was found on the ground on Edgewood Car's windows on Edgewood. Car windows there were wrapped in law enforcement crime scene tape Friday with their wheels melted into the asphalt and sagging electrical wires hanging overhead. I don't know if you saw it. I did, which tells me something about the fury and the heat of the flames. All down the one mile length of Edgewood, former homes and trailers smoldered in ruins. The victims apparently were trapped or overtaken by the speeding fire while trying to evacuate during a frantic few hours. Thursday night, when roads became choked and some residents abandoned gridlock cars to flee on foot. The preliminary investigation revealed that the victims were located in vehicles that were overcome by the campfire. Again, the Booty County Sheriff's Office said in a statement earlier in the day, due to the due to the burn injuries, identification could not be immediately made. Must have been really, really horrible. Savannah Rosher said she got a re, uh, a reverse nine eleven call ordering her to evacuate her Edgewood. Lane home at 8.30 a.m. outside embers and dust were already flying. She said, we saw a wall of fire. Trees were glowing 50 yards away, and it was probably moving like 10 yards every couple of minutes. It was moving so quickly that their cars, as fast as I can see, it was moving so quickly, and there's cars as fast as I can see. I had no idea it could be, it could move that fast. 
Feeling the heat from the flames, Rasha's husband pulled out of the line of the cars, cutting into what would have been the oncoming traffic lane. I thought we were going to die, he said. And my husband said, no, we're not going to die like this. She rolled the window down, waving and yelling, prompting other cars to follow suit. When we got to Pearson Road, nobody had any clue. It's right there. It's coming like a freight train. On Friday, she checked satellite images of the neighborhood and saw a ball of fire where their house once was. There you go. Fire is serious. It's no joke, you guys. No joke. And we do really have to think about it only because we smell the, the smoke here. This is how bad it was. As far as as far away as they are from you and I, you and I are still impacted by the smoke today. So we want to learn the lessons. We're thankful that they escaped. We're thankful that they got out. We are thankful that many did. And we are hopeful that they will be okay. And we all want to learn from it. Because I just, I'll tell you, you know, I, I, I simply have this edgy feeling about living in the Bay Area uh, with you all, as we all live here, and, and kind of, I think we might be a little bit tentative, if you will, about the fire not coming close to us. Nothing could be further from the truth. It could easily come to us. And then we will all be wrestling and rumbling and moving and running and driving and doing crazy things to um, to to get away from the heat and get away from the calamity and get away from the power of the fire. Um, Do I hope that never happens? Absolutely. But every year that we have these kind of fires and they get closer and closer to the Bay Area and do what we are dealing with now, I'm worried about it. Worried about it. Not afraid, not to, but worried, concerned, thoughtful, prayerful. What say ye? One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. What say you? What are you thinking about that? How does it speak to you? One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Gonna take a break. I'll take your phone calls after this on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back at the time five thirty seven on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Two lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. If you want to call and uh, join the conversation, I'm, I'm trying to reflect upon uh, what's going on up in paradise. Uh, again, oxymoronic, paradoxical, uh, a fire in paradise, and, and, and really trying to draw out the lessons here while being uh, very respectful and reverent of the reality and factors that are going on there, but just wanting to make the application as we ought all to want to do. And I raised the question earlier, is there anyone in the audience who may have experienced something of that same nature that many of those people who survived have experienced over the last several years here in California fires uh, of the power and the fury and the heat and the force and the speed of it, as I share with you with the article that I just read from that particular event by one couple, the Shoffers, and uh, and maybe want to share that with us to help us put our feet in the shoes of someone who has come close to um, to harm's way in a fire. If you have been there, if you've gone through that, if that's something that uh, God has uniquely taught you through, uh, share it with us. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine is a number that you can reach me at. And of course, we will expand our topic to other things, but. I really didn't want to pass up an opportunity, especially because we're not done with that particular fire. And I don't know if we're done with fires in California yet. Uh, You know, when we're dealing with biblical principles and biblical concepts and theological perspectives and and larger worldviews, we can comfortably hold ideologies that never, ever get tested by real experiences And we certainly hope that's the case in many areas, but there is no purpose for biblical theology where you and I are running from experiences that would correspond to it, relate to it, or answer it. So there are things that are going to happen in our life that if we are biblicists, not only correspond to the reality of life, 
in terms of pain and suffering and difficulty and trials and traps and gins and snares and deliverances and miracles and supernatural things that have occurred in God's word. But because God used the fiber and fabric of human experience historically to put together the word of God through men who were moved by the spirit of God to infallibly write God's thoughts and God's word, uh, What God has written is really experiential truth given to us in a more didactic form. So we are not surprised when we look at events that go on in our world and go, you know what? The Bible has a lot to say about that. One line open, one triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine. I, for one, am going to be thoughtful, prayerful, considerate, and watchful, thoughtful, prayerful, considerate, and watchful of uh, these these increasing fires that are going on in California. So let me go to the phone line now before I take another break. And we're going to start with Rory and Campbell. Rory, are you there on line three? And Campbell, uh, you're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline. Are you there, Rory? Yes. Hi. Hi. How are you? I was just listening to your broadcast. And um, short version is... <laughs> I grew up in Castro Valley, which okay. I heard you live in, up until 15, moved to Chico, California, and graduated wow. high school and college there, grew in this, grew up, or finished growing up in this very area that you're speaking about. Absolutely. And I'm a retired, I'm a retired Bay Area firefighter. My goodness. And I've experienced it, not up in that particular area, but I experienced it in the 89 Oakland Hills fire. Okay. Of, of what you're talking about. And... Um, well, maybe one small one. I got pulled out of my car at 16 to help California Division of Forestry put out a grass fire mm-hmm. out in the canyon that mm-hmm. is now gone. I lived out in Butte Creek Canyon, which is the East Canyon, mm-hmm. and Feather River Canyon. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the nope. West Canyon. And yeah, Feather go ahead. I'm sorry. Canyon mm-hmm. is the West Canyon, and Paradise was in the middle. And um, all of that area is my, my teenage years area. So what you're talking about and what you just mentioned on air about clearing is extremely important. What you've done around your home is, is, is just paramount to avoiding these catastrophic events. Um, when I was in the Oakland Hills, I saw just a version, which was maybe even a lesser version of what occurred in Paradise. But the firestorm terminology came out of that that incident and the fact that the fire was actually feeding itself and fire tornadoes terminology came about. Wasn't it that time, Rory, wasn't it also at that time, if I do recall, because I was living uh, in Oakland at that time, that very time I was completely enthralled by it and fascinated by every aspect of it, knowing little or nothing about it. Wasn't it at that time that we had um, the the peculiar winds from El Nino at that time? Wasn't it also at that time that we had these bizarre weather patterns that would also bring the wind to, to kind of sustain that, 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 that fury and fire? Uh, if I'm not wrong. Oh, no, no, you're correct. Um, whenever there's a, an inversion layer is what they refer to it as, which which affects the wind from either in off of our coast or, or depending on where the the front comes from. This one obviously came from the north and was pushing down to the southwest. And I can't remember back to the Oakland Hills fire. It, it must have been something pretty similar because it started in the northern area and came down almost right under downtown Oakland. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, now, as a fireman, do you, uh, where, where were you located as a, as a fireman? You said you, 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 are you retired now? I'm retired now. I'm retired out of Mountain View. Okay. But the, the structure is such that when something catastrophic like this happens, the entire state is covered with what's called task force. Right. And it's a mutual aid response. Right. right. So when something like, you know, whether it be Oakland Hills or Malibu or Paradise, in fact, one of my friends I had coffee with today mentioned he saw some Mountain View units on the air on the news channel in, in Paradise. So they're up there, and it's 
and that's the way it has to work because they wouldn't be able to handle these catastrophic incidents if we didn't have mutual aid. Right. The local the local uh, units just wouldn't be able to do that. You guys have to come from all directions uh, to even begin to to even strategically know how to, you know, quarantine the fire or, or, or try to even begin to manage it or if not, if not manage the fire manage the people around the fire then you got all your other help help coming in in terms of first responders the uh, national guards and all of it. i i'm just learning some of this because my son-in-law is uh, is is one of our, our national guardsmen and, and, and a number of my leadership in the church that i pastor are, are are in the military as well and they all get shipped off as soon as we oh, have yeah. something big like this happening i i had no idea oh no absolutely because the the fallout from the after uh, aftermath of the catastrophe has to be covered for yeah. protection of property and right. and obviously as we're reading in the press um the recovery of the lost which is extremely sad and we we don't know what that number is going to go up to but um being familiar with the area and growing up there it um it it it's it was really almost a perfect storm because you have two canyons on either side of of paradise and when it came from the north it went down and um it went down both canyons feather river canyon and butte creek canyon amazing i, I gotta tease you about that it's called butte b-u-t-t-e help butte me brother creek. help me and and i'll tell you why rory <laughs> i i said let me see if i can get this right i did i wasn't sure but i happen to live what part of castle valley did you live in I lived over in the Parsons Estate area, right near Lake Chabot. Okay, all right. So I live off. I live. I presently live off of a Redwood Road. Okay, I know you know where that is. Oh, yeah. Now yeah. I live yeah. all the way over the top, going near to the golf court, but I'm not. I'm go not to over the, the top. Course. I'm at. Oh, you, and I'm sure glad you mentioned you did what you did because yes, you're definitely in what's referred to. When the residential area gets into the rural area that you described, that your area's in, your yeah. house is in, yeah. that's called the interface area. In the interface area, whether it's Saratoga, Los Gatos, Los Altos, um, up there where you're at, yeah. Lake Chabot area, yeah, those are the particular areas that really need to have um, their yards yep. clean. Yep, and I'll, I'll tell you, <laughs> Uh, all around me, all around me, several homes. I mean, the trees are so large, so big. Um, your, your, uh, I forget the other tree that just sheds all the time. Eucalyptus, eucalyptus trees. Eucalyptus, eucalyptus trees. We are, we are, we are, we are. They burn, they burn really hot. Yeah, they do. We are, we are a cinder up there in that area. No, I learned my lesson, uh, Rory, uh, over the last four or five months by a diligent neighbor. And I didn't know she had went through this. It was some 15 years ago. She had went through a fire that came up the backside. We are, the reason why I talked about a uh, booty is because the court that I live on, Rory, is called booty court. <laughs> it's B-U-T-I court. And I wasn't sure if it was beauty, uh, but what is, what is the, the proper pronunciation butte, butte county butte, butte county butte. good okay all right i'll i'll, I'll well, keep you're talking that. about an area that I, I mean where i grew up into until i moved up to chico in 67 and that's your your neighborhood's my old trumping grounds and um and particularly one of the concerns in the 89 uh skyline what i think they referred to it as the oakland hills fire was called the skyline fire it was afraid that it was going to jump over the hill and go towards your neighborhood it would have been right because, there it would have been right the there if it jumped over the yeah. if it jumped over that skyline area. It would have just descended right on into Castro Valley, yep. and yep. and in my Absolutely. backyard is right there. Yep. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I grew up there until I moved up to the area that we're talking about. Right. And I'm glad. You, I'm really glad you called. I'm gonna ask you one more thing and then let you go because I don't know if I'll get any more of a professional perspective on this than you could give us. Um, and and we we just absolutely. Um, Love and adore you guys for what you guys have done, too. I have uh, a number of firemen in in the church that I pastor and and, and love them to death. You guys are amazing. So um, what should the average um, citizen who has never, ever experienced the volatility and dynamics of a fire should know about 
uh, about it that we probably are just completely oblivious about. Tell tell me one or two things about them that we need to know, whether it be the um, uh, unpredictability of it, the speed of it, the heat of it, or what have you, for someone that's just oblivious and therefore is just kind of, you know, waiting for uh, a calamity occur because we're so ignorant. I think the most important part, I don't think, I know the most important part is in one when we moved up there out to the Cambuke Creek Canyon, uh, my father sat my brother and sisters and I and my mother and all down is exit. Okay. And when you live in an interface area, similar to maybe where you live, right. Um, you have to think about your ways in and out. Right. And that was one of the catastrophes of this is, is where that particular geographical location is, is there's two ways in and two ways out. You mentioned one of them on your radio show, yep. Pence road, and then you have the Skyway. Wow. And you have to know in a catastrophe, when it starts to happen, how do I get out of this? Right. I, I have to have a way to get out. Yep. Even if it's going down to one of the creeks or one of the rivers, Butte yeah. Creek, yep. the river, yep. um, getting in down to it and getting out. Um, that's, the pri- that's the only thing I can really share right now. The primary thing is if something horrible happens, how do we get out of this and as i understand with some of these folks in their cars is that um staying in the car cannot always be the answer it might be just get out of the car and um keep moving get downhill yeah so Fire you know goes uphill you know what i thank you i got to take a hard break uh do, have you ever listened to our program before oh yeah okay, yeah. okay. craig roberts oh yeah yep that's my guy Listen, thank you, Rory, for all that you've done. I'm glad that you um, were listening. You have really contributed to our topic significantly, and uh, and, and God bless you, man. All righty. All right. I got to take a break. When I come back, I'll catch you, James and Deb. Lines are all open, one 367 I'll share with you what uh, – what the fireman Rory uh, just said about the most important thing about a fire in terms of its spiritual application. When we come back, I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we've got five minutes to go in this segment. We will um, take up our calls. Let me go to line number one and talk with Deborah in Oakland. Deborah, how are you today? Oh, well, I'm doing the best I can. Okay, what's your I thoughts? I hired the fireman because. It takes more courage to hang in there and stay with it than it does to leave it. Right. I mean, that's his job. That's their job. Um, I don't know if you know firemen, but they are remarkable people. I think you have to be gifted to to want to get in harm's way of that nature um, for the for the safety and welfare of humans and animals and things of that nature. It's just remarkable to me that a person would want to take up that kind of task. And as you know, I didn't really want to ask him, but I'm sure he he was aware of and knows that generally, Deb, we lose firemen uh, in these fires. We lose them. They they. Yeah. We, do. we lose him, you know, and that's not a small, that's not a small task. And, and I'm sure he had, you know, friends and uh, comrades that he, he lost in these kinds of things. The bravery that is essential and the kind of work that they do and the skill sets necessary to um, to protect us really do require our respect of them imminently. Yes. And as far as you're concerned, what how are you feeling about, you know, these increasing fires that are. Um, starting to, you know, this is becoming more and more common now. It's not, it's just not going away. I mean, you know, I thought this was kind of going to be a little, uh, a season over the last three or four or five years, but they are just popping up more and more. And now we are becoming known all over the world for the state that's on fire a lot. Yes, we are. And I think it takes a particular grace of God. And it's a supernatural miracle, actually, that is required from the Holy Spirit to enable these men and women to persevere in this kind of situation. I agree. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't say anything, add anything to that relative to the ones who are really working through it and trying to overcome it. And um, hopefully, before the show is out, we will get 
uh, a person or two um, who have had that experience to help enrich our communion that we have every Monday around these kinds of topics. Um, you be safe. You hear me? I will try. <laughs> you be safe. And we're thinking about you. We'll talk with you real soon. The Lord will. And let me go to line number two and talk with James from the Bay. Uh, Brother James, are you in the house? Uh, TJ, how you doing, sir? I'm good, man. So, so holler at me a little bit about where we are in uh, in our thoughts and contemplation around the fires that have been going on and some of the implications. Uh, very important, thoughtful, reflective uh, implications of it um, on both levels. What's your thoughts? Let me begin with this. It's very, very fascinating. I mean, just the whole dynamic. Uh, Rory, the firefighter, uh, that brought up, because you were mentioning uh, the fire coming, what I call locally, what I call it an urban area. As he pointed out, the firestorm, which we actually had in 91, it was 91, we had the Lone Fiat in 89. Of course, we had a lot going on back then, but the right. firestorm was actually uh, almost two years to the uh, two years and three uh, days, two years to the day, yeah. two years and three days, because uh, Loma Prieta was like October 17th, and technically the uh, the fire, Oakland firestorm preceded with a fire Saturday night on the 19th that they thought they had gotten out, and then it reignited Sunday morning True. Uh, on the 20th. True. So that was a, a period of time we had, you know, for those fires, and then, of course, it was manifest, I mean, by the time... Uh, Got back from church on on Sunday. I mean, it was a. I mean, it, 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 it. I mean, it was it was purely gone. But that wasn't. That was just things that are happening real close together. Two years together. I was just uh, want to bring that point up, uh, about those fires. So we have had something locally here. It's just that I guess I won't say not with the, the same devastation because we haven't experienced it. Because anybody who lived up in Oakland Hills at that time knows how devastating that was. We just sort of saw saw you know from a collateral point of view, but just, you know, the whole overall picture that you know, people talk about, and I had an opportunity the last three or four days to go surprise my daughter in, in D.C. and then come back. Okay. And I say that because I had a chance to fly out, you know, and, and do a bird's eye view. I like to just see the earth from 30,000 uh, 30, feet and just to see it going and coming back. Look, none of this had taken place when I left. So, you know, how California, how, how picturesque it can be. Yeah. Uh, uh, from that view, if you fly, you know, just how awesome, you know, I mean. Pristine, you know, beautiful. Yep. I mean, it's a beautiful view. But to come back three, three and a half days later and not even be able to see California on descent, I mean, it was just, uh, I mean, just you couldn't see anything. And that's just, I mean, that's just so, you know, I mean, just so awesome to me. And, I mean, just everything that took place in like the three days, you know, I was gone. I left early Tuesday, got back uh, early Saturday. I mean, from the devastation uh, up north in Butte County to the additional uh, devastation down in uh, Ventura County uh, uh, with the uh, shooting down in... Uh, right, right, uh, right. Uh, down, I'm sorry, down in uh, Thousand Oaks. and yep. they're Actually, they had, they've got a shooting and fire going on down there as well. Right. Like you say, California on fire. And it's just, you know, amazing to me that, you know, people come who hold the view of the global warming, if you will. Uh-huh. And, you know, you know, my perspective is, you know, you know, how, you know, how I am, you know, it's just like yeah, there's global warning, but not to the uh, to the, you know, not to the point of what you're speaking of. I mean, because we all know what the scripture says about how, you know, how when, when God got when God got angry the first time, how he did it and how he's going to do it the next time. We all know it, it's not going to be water. It's going to be fire. Right. You know, and every time one of those start up, you know, I start to, you know, I start, you know, I, I mean, not every time it starts up, I'm thinking about it all the time because that's what his word says. But I relate it to biblical or spiritual sense because, you know, people talk about the global warming from a weather point of view. And I talk about the global warming from a, from, from a moral point of view. I agree. It's like a warning. It's like a warning, you know, it's going to when it happens, it's going it, to, it, when, when, when it, when that time finally comes, is going to be by fire to the devastations to life we've never ever seen as devastating as all the fires that we've seen in our lifetime the one at the end i mean they have no i mean 
I mean, it, you can, it, it's not even to be compared. It won't even be mentioned. It won't even be able to mention in the same breath when the elements and everything will be on fire. You know, w- when it's finally over. Does Listen, that make any sense? it makes a ton of sense. It make a ton. It makes a ton of sense on so many different levels, James. I'm going to uh, wrap up um, this segment this way uh, on uh, in terms of affirming everything you stated about the conflagration that's coming. That our present world mocks and and, and uh, boohoo's uh, in ignorance, and that's the reason why I asked the uh, fireman Rory to help me understand some fundamentals about uh, a fire that will catch you by surprise. I'm sure you remember me saying that, and and that brother said it's only one thing you really really want to have at the top of your list, and that's how to escape that fire. What is your exit strategy? When the fire comes, what what's your way out when the fire comes? He began to develop for us the the, the calamity of the two valleys, uh, two roads out of uh, paradise and paradise is down in the valley. So that's a precarious place to have a city in the first place with mountains around it that 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 are combustible in nature as California is. That That is paradoxical. And that is uh, that is something with which one has to really think through. Why would we want to try to build a paradise? dice down in the valley where the only way really out is is two ways and yet the parallel cannot be avoided if we know the conflagration is coming if we know the fire is coming if we know at some point the combustion will take off and it will be a universal combustion and nobody will will be able to to escape it except they have an exit strategy that exit strategy is only one. It's not two. It's not ten. And it's certainly not always. It's only one way out. It's only one way out. It's only one way out of this fire. It's only one way out of this fire. And, it, and this one way we've been telling men and women about since the beginning of time. The prophets of old, the prophets of Christ, the apostles of Christ, the early church, and even the present day church. We're saying there's a fire coming and there's really only one way out. And that way out is a person. And that person is Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes unto the Father but by me. And we boohoo that and we we mock that in our present generation of prideful, what I call us, and we're nothing but, well, you know, we're nothing but but, but scaffolding for, for the fire. What, what, the way we build things and cre- produce things and, and mass produce things with all the technology we have, all we're doing is creating a brush fire with our temporary uh, material uh, uh, manifestations. It's nothing but, but fodder for the fire. When our souls are not necessarily uh, prepared for an escape strategy, we should be ready to escape this world um, at a moment's notice when no other way out uh, is is given but death. When we uh, face that, are we ready to escape this world through uh, and by the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, folks will quickly say living in the comfort of carnality. Don't try to scare me into heaven. Um, Well, okay. Um, you, you probably ain't never been in a fire where there's only one way out, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, we have to think it through just like that. Thank you, my brother, for the call. I'm going to take a break. All the lines are open. one 367 All the lines are open. one 367 We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com. 